Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello and welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. Joined like I am every Sunday during the football season by Kevin Flaherty. We're going to break down KU's 43-28 loss to Texas Tech on Saturday night. Kevin, let's just jump right into this. Um, what happened? What did you see from your perspective? I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things we can get into individually, but I guess big picture, what the heck happened in Lubbock? Yeah, you know, I thought it was really interesting. You know, we didn't get a chance to see their halftime interview with Lance Leipold, but they referenced it on the broadcast and and said he said he wasn't worried and he felt like, you know, hey, Kansas cleans up a couple things, they'll be just fine. And I think the unfortunate thing for Kansas was it just wasn't a clean night. You know, when you look at the penalties, when you look at some of the turnovers, some of the decisions made, um, rush lanes guys getting out of their rush lanes on, on Tyler Shuck and and different things like that you know it was something where you could see what Leipold was saying at halftime like hey we're we are playing you know not our most polished brand of football right now is what he was saying but you know just make it make a few things a little bit better and, and Kansas is going to win this game unfortunately Michael that just didn't wind up happening yeah, I agree. I think sloppiness and, and just lack of rhythm is really what kind of doomed Kansas. For me, I look at the game and I think it's a, a mixture of a lot of the issues I think you've seen pop up as KU has started to lose games. Obviously, there's a bit of the slow start, right, where you needed a fourth down play to go 66 yards for you to score. Obviously, you don't give that playback. That's a great play and read and everything about it, but you're still in a fourth down in one, in your own territory that you have to go for it. And then the drive stalls, you miss a field goal, and all of a sudden you're really down three scores. And I think that's a bit of what you saw, you know, early in the season in some of those road games, not necessarily the best start. And then in the second half, you look at it being a little bit like the Baylor game where KU needed to get a stop to be in the game, and they let up a big play. And it really limited what KU could do where all of a sudden you're down eight instead of down five and I think that's a challenge. And then also the tempo. So 
I think you put all these things together and it's a lot of the issues I think that you've seen from Kansas this season kind of all coupled into one where early in the year, KU could overcome those deficits, but KU can't overcome those deficits when you commit a Lance Leipold era high, 10 penalties, yeah. the most penalties KU's committed since September of 2020 under less miles. Like overall, not a crisp game and KU still a team that needs to play complimentary football and I think just that's the issue with a game like this where I wrote about post game but the game never the team never got in sync right either the offense was playing well and the defense wasn't or the defense was playing well and the offense wasn't and then there's just special teams mistakes mixed on in there so I think overall it's just one of these games where you know KU just wasn't sharp and KU's not at the point now where it cannot be sharp and still win Big 12 road games. They need to play pretty crisp football and not turn the ball over and not make big mistakes. And I think there's too much of that that happened. So I'll start on the offensive side of the ball because I think that's where maybe there's the most room for argument or discussion. What yeah. do you think of the overall offensive performance? You know, it was uneven. Um, and, and, you know, I, I – I thought it was interesting. You know, we talk every week about complimentary football, don't we? But there was a period and, you know, friend of the show, Scott Chasen brought this up, actually. Uh, there was a period where Kansas went four defensive possessions without allowing a Texas Tech touchdown. Texas Tech scored three points over those four possessions, and Kansas didn't score on any of them. And so you're in a position there – where let's say you take two of those four drives down for touchdowns, that's, you know, an 11 point margin that you have for your team. And, and instead you, you actually lose ground. And, and so I, I thought that was the thing was, and I thought, you know, you making that point was really accurate that when the offense was on the defense typically wasn't. And when the defense was on the offense typically wasn't, I thought, you know, one of the things that that we talk about sometimes is, you know, good quarterbacks make plays, great quarterbacks get you out of bad plays. Mm. And I thought that Jason Bean, for the good moments that he had, for the plays that he made, um, and, and a lot of times when we think about getting you out of a bad play, it's Bean's touchdown pass, right? where you make a pass rusher miss, you run around, you throw across your body and you find somebody, but sometimes getting out of a bad place, just throwing the ball away. And there were, you know, three or four different instances yesterday where Kansas would have been in a much better spot. If Jason Bean would have just said, you know what, this is a bad play. Let's start over, throw this thing out of bounds, you know, gather ourselves, whatever, what, what what were your thoughts on, on offense? And, you know, obviously, you know, that was all negative, but Devin Neal was pretty darn good again, too. Yeah, obviously I'm a positive person, so let's start with the positives. Devin Neal's put together two career performances. Had last week not happened, we would be talking about this being Devin Neal's best performance of his career. You know, heading into the season, right, last year the Texas game was kind of his, his next best game, 24 carries for a little bit over 100 yards. Well, this time he had 24 carries for 190 yards on the ground. And I think just he was the one that carried the offense, I just opened things up for everyone else. And obviously Jalen Daniels was the player that kind of the rising tide lifts all boats for the offense. Well, yeah. I think at times it felt like Devin Neal was that where he turned, like you said about the quarterback position, turning 
bad plays into good plays or just avoiding bad plays. There's that one play where Devin Neal should have been tackled for a loss and ended the drive. And he's able to get around the edge, and all of a sudden it's a 33-yard gain, flips the field, and all of a sudden Kay's moving. And I think this is just one of those games where I think you're starting to see Devin Neal come into his own and really not mature because he's always been a mature person, but really find out that, hey, I'm good enough to take over a Big 12 game against a, a pretty good defense. And so I think overall I look at Devin Neal's performance as being kind of the, the silver lining to this all where we saw how good Daniel Highshaw was early in the season. And now all of a sudden you're seeing Devin Neal kind of do his own version of what Daniel Highshaw did early in the season. And it's just huge for this offense to think that you've got a minimum one more year left of him, right? He'll be a junior next year. Who knows if he'll stay around after that. And obviously Highshaw will be back next year as well. And it's pretty exciting to think about what that could be in the future. But I think your point about Jason Bean is pretty accurate. Uh, there were three or four plays, like you said, where you're scratching your head, like what in the world were you doing? There's the play where he runs out of bounds to the near sideline yeah. on a second and three, loses four yards, all of a sudden it's third and seven. You just you just single-handedly took yourself out of a manageable third down to make it a third and, and, he, and the pressure wasn't super heavy on that play. No. I mean, he had time to he had time to get rid of the ball and, and didn't. Exactly. And those are the plays, I think, that you see maybe the differential between a Jalen Daniels and a Jason Bean. I think the interception at the end of the first half, I think you want to talk about, you know, sliding doors moments. That for me is the one. If K holds the ball there, goes into half, only down three points, all of a sudden you're looking at it and saying, wow, K could tie the game with a field goal. And if KU does that first drive that they had and Jacob Borchilla makes the kick, all of a sudden you're tied. Right. Yep. And you've got some momentum. So I think for me, you look at off the offense and obviously Jason Bean, I've said it is you can win games with him and K did last week. And I was of the opinion that he deserved to start this week. Well, I think now you've got enough room to say, all right, if Jalen Daniels is hundred percent healthy and ready to go. I think he's got to be the one that starts against Texas and, and that's fine. Right. Each week you get more data points and see more from the quarterback. And I think this is one of those moments that you saw. This is why Jason Bean was the backup. And that's not a bad thing, right? Jason Bean is still a good quarterback. There are other teams in the Big 12 that probably wish they had Jason Bean. I'm sure nope. Oklahoma State and Iowa State both wish they had him, and I'm sure there are some other teams too that wish they had him. But it's just one of those deals where I think he just left a little bit to be desired on Saturday. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought the offensive line did a, did a pretty solid job. Um, especially against a team that can get after the quarterback the mm -hmm. way that the Texas Tech could. And I thought the receiver group, I don't know that we talk enough about those guys, mm -hmm. and I'll include the tight ends in with those guys too. It's always somebody different, right? Like there are some weeks where it's Luke Grimm that's, you know, converting three third downs for you in huge plays. LJ Arnold, I thought, was was excellent, obviously, in that first half. Quentin Skinner making the the touchdown catch that he made. You know, it, it's funny because when you think about Quentin Skinner, at least heading into the year, all the talk on him was, well, he's 6'5", and he's one of the fastest guys on the team. And so you just think, hey, this, this guy, deep threat, whatever else. If you're to make a highlight tape of, say, the top 10 catches over the course of the season, Quentin Skinner's going to have a lot of those catches. I mm -hmm. mean, he's... He's made some terrific, you know, body control, um, hands type catches. And, and so I think, you know, while we've talked before about, hey, you know, maybe there's not a Quentin Johnston of the group or, or whatever else, that no doubt number one guy, 
um, it, it's a different guy every week, Michael. And you, you can see, you know, if teams game plan to take one guy out of the mix, if they say, you know what, we're just not going to let Luke Grimm catch anything on third down because he's such a threat there. Credit to that receiving core for a guy like LJ being able to step up, a guy like Quentin Skinner being able to step up. And, and you know, we we criticize Jason Bean, and I think rightfully so, but credit to Jason Bean for being able to, to move the ball around too. You know, he hasn't necessarily just been locked in on one guy every single week. And and I think uh, if you were to ask some, uh, some Texas fans who – Kansas is playing this week about Quinn Ewers locking into Xavier Worthy. You know, they they kind of, you know, put their head in their hands a little bit. And so I do think that that Bean deserves some credit for being able to to move on to other targets and, and kind of find the open guy. You say that, and as you're saying this, all I can think of is Jared Casey wide open on that fourth down. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was maybe first quarter, late first quarter. That he was locked where, in on that flag route, yeah, on the corner route. And and Jared Casey's just wide open over the middle. That man, Jared Casey, on fourth down. I don't know, you know, I'm being sarcastic here, but I don't know why he'd go to anywhere else, but Jared Casey on fourth <laughs> down after the last two fourth down plays that he's converted. I think you are right. The wide receivers were good. And I think you look at the skill position players and I don't think you can blame them at all. They all did their jobs, right? Devin Neal got enough yards. The wide receivers are pretty open. I think you just look at this game and say, man, I, I you have to, let me see if I can frame this right. Andy Kornick is a great offensive coordinator, really good play calling. You're going to have to live with some of the play calls that he makes. That doesn't mean you can't criticize them. For me, I look at that third down, running triple option on a third and eight maybe. Sometimes I feel like KU gets a little too cute. And again, this is Andy Kodernicki. You got to live – like it, he is a great offensive coordinator. KU scored so many points this season, schemed up everything. Every once in a while, I, I kind of look at the decision-making and I say, hmm, KU get a little too cute there. And I think for me, I look at this game and – I think the offensive line was decent. I don't think Bryce Cable do had a very good game. Yeah. I felt like a lot of pressure was coming off of his right side. I think Earl Bostic had a great game. I just look at the offensive line, and all of a sudden you put some pressure on Jason B, and I felt like he got a little sped up at times, and as a result, he missed some throws. So I think it's one of those deals where it's kind of just everything being a step off. And I think for so much of this season, the offense has all been in sync, and everyone's felt like they're flowing as one. The Oklahoma State game felt like that. The Oklahoma game felt like that outside of kind of that little stretch in the first half. I just look at this game and say, man, of all the times to have the offense be out of sync and to commit a lot of penalties, this was not the week. Because I think if you go into the game and you say, hey, KU's defense is going to get two stops each half, how do you feel like you're what, – what do you think KU's chances of winning are? I say somewhat decent, right? You're, you're telling me you're going to get two stops outside of the end of half? pretty good considering where this defense has been and how good Texas Tech's offense can be when it's rolling. So I look at this game for me and I don't know if you can really pin the blame on anyone. Just the whole team as a whole wasn't good enough. And just for you, what would you make of the defensive performance? I've got more thoughts on it, but I'll let you. Yeah. You know, I thought the defense played pretty well um, considering and considering is the thing that we talked. No, we talked after the Oklahoma game, this is not a group that's built to defend tempo. Mm -hmm. It's not like the biggest, 
they've been trying to build up the depth. I think that, you know, they, they've done a good job of continuing to develop guys. And yet at the same time, depth is still an issue. I think uh, on defense, um, where, where, when teams go with tempo, they can tire Kansas out. They can get them in maybe some odd groupings or different situations where guys are outmatched in, in certain situations. And, I think we saw a little bit of that in Texas Tech jumping out the way that it did um, up 24 to 7. After that, I thought most of the rest of that was not necessarily on the defense. Not not that it was blameless or anything like that. And, and I think this is a defense that continues to give up too much on third and long. And it really hurts against a team that's so fourth down conversion heavy like Mm -hmm. Texas Tech is. Because when that happens, when you're facing third and 10 against most teams, it's like, well, if you hold them to eight yards here, they're punting. If you hold Texas Tech to eight yards on on third down, they're going for it on fourth down. And that actually wound up – that scenario basically wound up happening. I think it was in the first quarter – where Kansas had a Texas Tech in like a third and 10, Shuck runs for like nine, and then Texas Tech picks up the first down. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just about getting the stop on that third down. It's about getting a productive enough stop to where Texas Tech looks at it and says, you know what, it's not worth it for us to go for it on fourth down. Uh, but generally speaking, I thought, you know, there was a middle portion of the game, the the play right before half really hurt because the defense was kind of grooving at that point. Jason Bean plays 500 with, with a throw um, out there with one KU receiver in the middle of four tech guys. It gets picked off. Even so, you're in a position to, you know, go into half down three at that point. And instead, you give up that long throw on the sideline where it was basically a one-on-one matchup. The guy didn't really get turned around. And and so there were some specific plays that you can point to like that, and that led to, that led to three points. But mm-hmm. overall, I thought, like you were saying, if you would have spelled out this defensive performance beforehand and say, hey, would you take it? I, I think most Kansas fans would have taken that. Exactly. And I think you mentioned that play at the end of the first half. Ryan Leaf was on the game, and Ryan Leaf has spoken to KU as a team before. Lance Leipold likes him a lot, and I think it's pretty clear that Ryan Leaf likes the Kansas program. He wasn't shy criticizing that call, right? Man coverage for Melo Dotson on the outside when you need to get a stop or just stop the bleeding, right? They can get five, six yards. They can't get 30. Yep. And you saw it again in in that fourth quarter drive when KU needed that stop that I mentioned earlier, same sort of deal, big play over the middle, big just flips the field. And all of a sudden KU is on the back foot again. I think a, a coaching staff's recruiting efforts can tell you a lot about what they think of the defense. KU next weekend is going to have a few official visitors from the junior college ranks, two defensive ends, Kai Wallen and Nico Taylor and a cornerback in Lordarius Webb jr. I think that to- that kind of tells you all you need to know about what this coaching staff thinks the areas of weakness are on this defense. Lonnie Phelps is a great player. There's no need to get anyone that can match him because you're not going to find him. Jeremy Robinson is 
good, still makes some mistakes, and I think is still young in the grand scheme of things, right? After this season, he'll still have two more years left of playing time. But I look at Malcolm Lee, I look at the person behind Lonnie Phelps, and I say, man, KU does not have the depth there at this moment. And I think you look at cornerback and say, Kobe Bryant is pretty good. He's a big play guy, but I think consistency has been an issue. I look at Melo Dotson, and I think that's the spot that you probably want to improve on. Coaches won't like the word recruited over, so bring on competitive depth is how I'll say it. But I think the coaching staff's recruiting efforts are telling you what they think the areas of weakness are on this defense right now. I think you feel pretty good about the linebacker position, right? Rich Miller's a good player. Craig Young's a good player. Tom Berryhill's a good player. Those three guys are all back next year. Um, and then you look behind them. Eric Gilliard could be back, and you're hoping you probably develop some depth there with someone like Tristan Fletcher. You look at safety, you feel pretty good about your depth there, but it's just cornerback and defensive end are kind of the spots in addition to defensive tackle where Katie's going to need to recruit this offseason. And you mentioned the depth. I think there's a difference between having capable bodies in depth and having really quality depth overall. Right now, Katie's at the point where it has capable bodies at in depth. So <laughs> much better than where they were last year, right? Last year, there was zero depth at all. This year, they've got some – okay depth, but now it's going to be taking a step forward. And can you develop that quality depth where, Hey, maybe Melo Dotson is your second corner on the outside of the field side. That's a, that's a good option to have there. Right. Cause I think Melo Dotson is a good player and has good flashes, but it's just one of those deals where maybe there's a, a better option. And so I look at this defensive performance and say, it's about on par with what we've seen this season. There are good moments. This defense plays well in stretches, but there are just times when it feels like it's a, a hot knife cutting through butter, and that's what it was like in the first quarter. And it's just so hard for this team to overcome those mistakes because offensively when you don't have Jalen Daniels and you just don't have the explosiveness to consistently da- you know, kind of drive in and drive out, do it, right? I think Lance Apple talked about this postgame. KU was explosive, right? They gained a lot of yards in part because they had – two gains of 60-plus yards, multiple runs of 30-plus yards, but down-to-down consistency just wasn't there. And I think that's the next step for this KU team is can each drive you know that you're going to be able to get four yards or five yards or three yards when you need to. And I think that's just kind of the next step overall. So looking ahead now, does this game change your opinion of Kansas or, or what do you think of the way that the team played and what do you expect going forward? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You know, it... Just real quick, too, I, I was going to say, you know, we saw them take junior college guys in last year's class who probably weren't thought of as immediate impact guys as well. You know, the Dean Millers, Davion Westmoreland's and guys like that. And so this was something they saw needing before the season even started, mm-hmm. where they were saying these guys, hopefully they're going to provide depth down the Pretty down cool. the line. And, yep. you know, you've seen a. Davion get a little bit more action, um, uh, I guess a week or two ago, mm-hmm. but, um, but no, generally speaking, when you project this team forward, when you look at them, I, I think you do kind of look at it as it's a long season. You know, I don't think that this is typically a Kansas team that's going to get penalized 10 times. Mm-hmm. It was one of those nights type of deal. And, but at the same time, I, I think you look at, the Oklahoma state game. And the biggest thing that, that Jason Bean did in that game was he didn't make the big mistakes, you know, and, and he, and I'm not saying he was perfect. He did have obviously a terrific run in that game as well. But at the same time, I think that's the version that KU needs to field if it's going to win one of the last two games, mm-hmm. whether that's Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels or, you know, even Ethan Vasco, if for whatever reason Bean's injury, you know, takes a while and they still aren't sure on Jalen, I would expect to see Jalen, you know, kind of sooner rather than later. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think when you when you look at the offense and what it needs to be, mm-hmm. uh, I think you made a really good point there because the mistakes are what keep you from being good on a down-to-down basis. They're what keep you from consistency. They're what keep you when, you know, Devin Neal had an explosive run, I think, I think it was the first or second quarter, you know, Jared Casey got out and laid sort of the the block that, that mm-hmm. sprung him, and they hit Bryce Cabledew for, for a holding call. Oh, mm-hmm. And then you come back and – and you have to to kind of start all over again. When you make a mistake where you miss a block, it can lead to a negative play. When you have the play where Jason Bean kind of threw it up to Devin Neal, Neal bounced the ball up in the air, caught it, and you had, you know, the eight-yard loss, those are the things that put you behind the chains and make it to where you can't continue, continue to move the ball downfield and have that consistent offensive effort. You clean those things up, and you're looking at a team that that can play with probably anybody in the Big 12. And and I think that when you look at at Texas, you know, Texas is coming in off a really rough offensive performance against TCU. 
uh, the Texas defense looked really good against TCU. Uh, I think that when you when you look at that game, for Kansas to move the ball on Texas, it's probably not going to come in 60-yard chunks. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to need to execute over and over and over again against a team with superior athletes. And it's probably going to be similar against Kansas State, where you need to have sort of that working consistency and so that's the thing that I, I look at moving forward is, is this a one-time thing? You know, just season's 12 games. You're going to have some games where you look amazing and you're going to have some games where, for whatever reason, the puzzle pieces just don't quite fit. Mm-hmm. Was this, you know, just one of those games or is it something where next week we're sitting here and we're saying Kansas continued to make those kinds of mistakes against Texas and it cost them another football game? Yeah, I think I agree. I was thinking about this last night, just about the game in general. This is still a young team, and I think that can't get lost here where you're going to return everyone on offense but Earl Bostic. Defensively, you're going to lose a lot of defensive tackle depth that's going to need to be addressed. You're going to lose you know, Malcolm Lee, but I think Jeremy Robinson's a better player, and I think Davion Westmoreland in the long run could be as good as Malcolm Lee. I don't think that's a huge loss. You're going to lose a linebacker and maybe Kenny Logan. But outside of that, you're returning everyone. And so this is still a very young team that has to learn how to maintain consistency week in and week out through the football season. I think there was a certain level of consistency early in the season when KU was fresh. But there's a different type of not resiliency because this team is resilient and this program is resilient. But there's just a different type of attitude to consistently win. And I think some of the Buffalo players have it. I think someone like Rich Miller and Mike Nowitzki, they know it and they have it. But I think a team needs to go through a season like this where you have really high successes, right? Best season in over a decade. But also have these games where in the offseason, I think the players will go back to a game like this and think, man – if I had done my job better, if I had not committed that penalty, if I had not missed that assignment, maybe we win the game. And maybe instead of playing in a, a Liberty Bowl, maybe you're playing in a Texas Bowl and just a higher caliber bowl on a higher caliber stage. I think for me, that's also a positive. The fact that this is a young team and there is still a lot of room for growth and a lot of room for growth in terms of the consistency too. So I think game for me just shows – a, how far the team has come, where they can go on the road and feel like, hey, if we don't make a couple of silly mistakes, that's an easy win. Because I think you can have that opinion about this game. This was a game KU could have won by a score or two if yeah. they just played better, more complimentary football throughout the course of the game. And that's a huge positive because I think in years past, I mean, you want to look at this game you know, last year. It was at home for Kansas, and they got smacked. It wasn't even close. And now all of a sudden you're looking at this game and saying, you were on the road at Texas Tech. And Texas Tech's not an easy place to go play. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's a tough road trip. You were in that game. And so I think for me, just continuing to progress forward year over year, and Lance Lapple just talked about it. He wants to build a consistent winner at Kansas. And I think games like this will help the team in the offseason strive to get there. And not saying they wouldn't if they had won this game, but it's just another kind of notch in the belt of saying, hey, the coaches can point back to a game like this in the offseason and say, remember that? Remember these plays or this discipline? Well, this is why we're doing that drill. So in that game, that doesn't happen, and we win uh, a seventh game. And maybe there's an eighth game there as well. Who knows? So 
I think for me, young team, still learning how to consistently win football games. And that's honestly just a great place for the program to be in, all things considered. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked on this show before about how heading into this season, whether or not Kansas won a Big 12 game wasn't necessarily on Kansas. The -hmm. other team had to take Kansas lightly and not play well in order for Kansas to, to win. And I think that's a really tough thing to hear, but I also think it's accurate. You know, the the other team had to come in, play a C game or, or worse in order for, for Kansas to be able to hang around. Here we are, you know, and there's two games still left in the, in the regular season. Kansas is going to have a bowl game after that. Here we are talking about a game where Kansas played, let's say it's a D-plus game with the penalties and, and all of that stuff and still had a chance to win on the road against a Texas Tech team that I think they're going to beat Iowa State this weekend, Mm -hmm. and I think Texas Tech's going to go bowling. And so Kansas was on the road against a, you know, a potential bowl, you know, Big 12 team. And you can look at it and say Kansas didn't play its best, still had a chance to win. And and it's – I think we've we've brought this up so many times, but – it really speaks to what Leipold has talked about kind of all along with the whole no moral victories thing, right? Because I feel like two years ago, this would have been a moral victory. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, we didn't even play that great, and we were right there. And, you know, and Lance Leipold treats it as, guys, like, this is a win. And, you know, if you if you clean things up, you know, potentially this is a multi-score win, like mm. you said, on on that given night. And, and and I think that that's a message that a lot of these guys maybe needed to hear. And, and, and it's, it seems like it's negative, but it's not because the other part of that, that, that maybe I'm leaving unsaid is the reason we could have won that game is because we believe in you and football players as football players. And we think that you guys are good enough 
to win this game. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the criticism comes. And so I do think when you, when you look at this game, you don't take a moral victory from it. You definitely look at it as a missed opportunity, but when you look at the season as a whole compared to where Kansas was before and everything, I do think you see that growth where Kansas had a chance to win a big 12 road game where it really didn't play super well. Yep. And so looking ahead then, what do you expect for the final two regular season games? I have a weird suspicion about this week against Texas and maybe even K-State, but what are you expecting from this team? Is it Obviously, there's the bowl practices to come, and they can't mail it in because those bowl practices will suck if yep. they mail it in, right? You know the coaching staff will get on, guys, if there isn't – if the standard is not met over the final two weeks. So what are you expecting here for, for senior day against Texas and then going into the Sunflower Showdown? Yeah, I think Kansas is going to be competitive. And I know that's not what people want to hear. They want you know me to stand up on the fireplace behind me and say, Kansas is going to win both games. But you know what? I think they're going to put themselves in position in, in those games, you know, and, and maybe one of them does get out of hand. Maybe, you know, maybe Kansas is in both of them, but I think Kansas is in a situation and you never, you're always focused on winning the next game, but I think Kansas is in a situation right now where winning either of these games is such a huge exclamation point at the end of the season, not only did you go bowling, not only were you bowl eligible, but either you beat Texas to where now you have a two game winning streak over Texas or you beat K state who you haven't beaten since Moby Dick was a minnow to quote uh, somebody I, I used to used to work with, but yeah, I mean, and, and that's the, that's the thing is you hate to say Kansas is playing with house money because you want to win both games, but at the same time, Kansas is kind of playing with house money and that if Kansas loses both games, nobody is necessarily going to raise an eyebrow, but if Kansas wins either game, much less wins both games, you know, there's a very real chance if Kansas wins both of these games where this is a jumping off point for Kansas being a legitimate big 12 contender next year. Oh boy, if they win both of them. Oh geez. And that's that what I'm be. saying. Like it's it's easy <laughs> to say, oh, you got bowl eligibility, you know, you're good. But the thing is, is there's so much left to play for, right? Because if you win, if you win one of these games, it's something people are gonna remember for the entire offseason. It can serve as momentum. You win both of these games. You're starting off next season ranked probably. Oh, and you're yeah. in a very different situation where people are looking at you as a legitimate Big 12 title contender. It it changes the entire calculus, even though it's just two games. Yep. If they you know if they win both of them, that feels unlikely. But if they win both of them, they sure. are they are last offseasons Kansas State, the previous offseasons Iowa State, where everyone's yep. like they're my dark horse. And then everyone picks them as a dark horse. So that they're not a dark horse. But I think for me, but I, that helps on the recruiting trail too. Oh, no. Like it, even, even if you're a dark horse and you have a seven and five season or whatever, you covered Iowa state during the dark horse season that did not go well, but it went well for Iowa state on the recruiting trail. Didn't it? I mean, they oh, won yeah. head to head. They won about 35 head to head battles with K state in that class. I, I think, I mean, it was, it, it really helped. And so, you know, and I'm really sorry to cut you off, That's but 
that's the thing is all of that publicity and everything. Yes. You do still need to go back it up on the field, but the flip side of that is, is having everybody talk to you and college football is a year round sport and recruiting is a year round sport. Having somebody on an April episode of college football live being like, you know who I, you know, think is really good this year, Kansas stuff like that. You know, it, it only helps you moving forward. It does. It does. And I, th- I don't have a good feeling about this Texas game. I look at that Texas front and I, I see every every concern I have about Kansas. I just am like, that's only thing that I think could help Kansas is Quinn Ewers doing Quinn Ewers things. And the fact that it's going to be 30 degrees out and Texas playing north of Texas, you know, in the month of November doesn't usually go well. And I think the Kansas State game is tough because it looks like Kansas State has one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. And Will Howard, unless they somehow decide to go back to Adrian Martinez, which would be objectively hilarious. But I think that's what I've got. Um, any final thoughts on the weekend or heading into the final two weeks? No, I think I think there's a very real lane for Kansas to be right there with Texas. And that's not saying they're going to win the game. That's not saying they're going to lose it. But I think that that lane starts with, cleaning up a lot of the stuff that we saw this past weekend. If Kansas is in a situation where it's taking the negative plays on offense that it had, you're probably not going to put up a whole lot of points against the athleticism on Texas's back line against that Texas front that you were talking about. This is a game where Kansas is going to need to kind of, you know, hit this thing out consistently have those 10 and 15 play drives if they're going to put the ball into the end zone and compete. And and so I do think that as much as that loss stunk and and you would obviously rather have the win, I think Lance Leipold is going to have a lot of attention from his players this week when he tells them, look, you guys can't do that again and expect to play with Texas this weekend. Yep. I totally agree. And we'll have a a midweek podcast with Texas folks talking about the game and kind of getting their perspective on everything. But as always, thank you for listening to the fog.net podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, head over to your podcast app of choice and find um, the fog against athletics podcast, subscribe review. And if you're listening to it on a podcast platform, head over to the YouTube channel, the fog Kansas basketball football coverage crossover seasons here, football games, basketball games. It's all coming thick and fast champions classic on Tuesday, another game on Friday before the Saturday, Texas game. And then it's off to Atlantis for the key basketball team before that Kansas State game. So plenty of content coming your way on Fog.net in the Kansas YouTube channel. And we will talk to you all again next Sunday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.